Welcome to the Casa Brew Show! GG! What is up, brother Kaz? We're back. We are back from the break of uh, All to the Stars. And uh, basketball is back. And it's uh, this is uh, my, my favorite point of the year because it kind of... Uh, the teams, you know, that are in this thing, this is about time when they start to turn it up. You know, they start to get a little more focused. The finish line is somewhat, you know, it's it's a mid-season break, but it's not really. It's only, what, like a third left maybe of the season. So it, it's uh, it's actually you know, it's only 30% of the season. Only, only 30% left. So, you know, teams really start to, you know, commit and uh, you, you, you get a better shape and for guys' characters on different teams. And if teams are going to lay down, if they're going to fight, this is a good time. I like it. Yeah, you know, it's a weird thing. I was writing this over. I, I released the postseason Brewski 150, or probably post-All-Star break Brewski 150. And it's just really weird. No other sport has this. Like, can you imagine in football in, like, week 11 or 12, you know, everybody just stopped, went to Mexico, and <laughs> came back. In fact, that's my favorite thing right now is is seeing who comes back really tan from the All Star break, and, <laughs> and then like who where where the pictures get leaked. Like I just saw one of uh, Willie Hernan Gomez and Luka Doncic, and it totally looked like um somebody took that took it with like a Palm Trio, you know, from like ten yeah. years ago. So they're they're out there in the middle of nowhere doing God knows what. Um, must be I great mean, to be an NBA basketball player. I'll just say that. I mean, Considering with the new added time, because it used to be what just uh, took a couple two three days, you know, and that was it. But now they get the added extra three days. I think that's if a full on week. <laughs> yeah, if you're not an all star, right, you're not going to be in the dunk contest. You're not going to be in the three point contest. You're not going to be in any of that crap. I mean, aren't you booking your flight from like whatever city you're actually? At? That happened, Luca. What was he in? He was in the Rising Stars game. Is that? Or was he? He was in something else. Maybe the uh, the skills challenge. And he was on a plane that night. Yeah, I mean, but he still had to go to that. I, I mean, like it would be to me like not not making an all star team wouldn't be the the tragedy that that one would think. Like if I was in, you know, if I'm playing for Miami and I'm in, I know I'm in Milwaukee. I'm not going back on that team flight. My flight's going to be from Milwaukee to Cancun. I am not passing go to go home. I'll buy clothes in Cancun. You know, forget about it. I think it's great. Good for them. Now, I think it was the great Denver Nuggets squad. Um, I think it was the Brian Shaw coach Nuggets where they went, like, with the one, two, three Cancun at the yeah. end of one of their games. <laughs> talking about that all the time. Can't go to Cancun anymore, though. People are just getting killed left and right down there. That's, uh, uh, that's. When was I last at Mexico? I think it was Puerto Vallarta. But, you know. Well, I mean, we, we we were scheduled to go down there, and then like eight people got killed, and so we diverted uh, to Hawaii. But uh, enough about that. Um, though that is a semi-smooth transfer into a segue for a read for Hawaiian Isles Kona Coffee, which is powering <laughs> me this morning. Thank you, thank you, thank you, Glenn, for sending over the Hawaiian Isles Kona Coffee. I am segueing smoothly as a host of this show. Look at that. Look at that. <laughs> Oh uh, no! It's I. I got rejuvenated through the break. I mean, for us as well, having a week where there's just not news, just knocking on your door every single day, 
you know, uh, probably about 1,500 tweets per day I think I go through and uh, all of the associated articles and just trying to keep up and, and, and make sure that we're on our game over here. That's tough. I, I, and I like the breaks. So uh, it's it's basketball time, though. It's back. It's, you know, it's just so weird, though. 70% of the season goes by and then, and then this break happens. And sure. each team has about 23 to 26 games <clears throat> left to go. And that's not a lot. But everybody just treats it as this this like halfway point and then also like the switch is now flipped on you right. know, teams are like now we're gonna play and <laughs> you know there's 23 games we're the left. 11th seed but we're gonna go for it <laughs> uh teams start tanking i mean it really gets weird at this point in time like the the silly season is what we call it in fantasy uh, because just weird stuff's going on we're gonna cover some of that weird stuff we've got the uh i got this from you last night and it was a it was cool. It was a brain bender. It was Giannis or AD was what the text said. And, you know, Anthony Davis is going through all sorts of stuff right now. Um, so we're going to talk about which of the two you would want to start a franchise with. We're going to talk about James Harden. And then we're going to talk, we're going to get weird with the concept of, of scorers not understanding basketball or teams not understanding how to score. Because you mentioned it from your watching last night. I saw it in my watching last night. I watched a phenomenal game with the Kings and the Warriors and the Kings took them all the way down to the wire in Oracle. And they really could have had it if they had just understood some simple basketball stuff. Uh, but before we go there, dude's shoe explodes on the court. Zion. 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 Man, have you been, okay. I'm not a college guy. I, I watched the dunks for Zion and that's, pretty much all I've gotten. And I'm like everybody else. I'm just like, I don't even know who to comp this guy. I just saw LeBron comp the other day and I don't think it's that. Um, I mean, maybe, maybe, I'm, maybe I'm missing something. I don't know, but I think just the, the forcefulness of him as an athlete, I think is comparable. Like he's just so big and quick and agile. But... Than LeBron was coming into, coming into the pros. He's, he's probably have, or definitely, definitely when he was coming into the pros, he's probably about the same weight as LeBron right now. Um, he's well. He's LeBron's thick. pushing three bills. <laughs> I don't. I don't know. Unless he has like the densest bones of all time, I. I, I just. I don't. I, I want to see him on an actual scale. Um, but who, LeBron or, or, or Zion? LeBron. I mean, like they've been saying, he's you know 280 pounds since his rookie year, and it's like impossible. He might be that now, maybe you know. But I, I don't think. I mean, I think he's. Always, I, I think he's a little fat right now. I mean, he, he's a little fat, but I don't think that puts him at three, you know, and be like, I see two night. It's just like, oh, no, I don't think he's three. That's um, too much. But and that's the only comparison as far as their games are concerned. I've, I've gotten actually to watch a little bit. Now I watched, I think, the entire Duke Virginia game. Um, I watched uh, I've watched a few. I've probably watched, I don't know, two, three games now. Of uh, of Duke. So what is this? Um, is this the real deal? I mean, I, I want to know. I'm, I I got people already asking me where I should draft him in a fantasy league next year. I think as long as people continue to switch mindlessly, <laughs> he will be very successful. Because I think if if you decide that you're going to keep you know bigs on him, 
I don't think he's ever had to really deal with length and making real moves with people who could really contest him. The tournament will be interesting, especially if he has to go against any of the top uh, Big Ten teams. There's quite a few long 6'10 to 7-foot dudes on Michigan, Wisconsin, Michigan State. It's going to be interesting to see how he completes moves with real shot blockers. You know, I don't really see anybody like that in the ACC. Um, And he's just so big and dominant. You know, he might have all the moves in the world. I don't know. He just hasn't been able to display them um, at Duke because he's just so much thicker and, you know, more explosive than everybody. I I think... I mean, the shoe thing was, it's funny, his legend just continues to grow. So we're going to talk about his shoes like like it's really a big deal here. But, like, <laughs> I mean, the way he dunks a basketball is so forceful. And right. his his leaping ability doesn't match up with the frame of his body. It's, right. it's really, I mean, I've known a couple people with that sort of stockiness that, you know, have jumped high, you know, you know in, in lower levels of sports and all of that. But, like this is the highest level of sports and he's doing it at just this incredible level. Um, it makes you think he, that there's sustainability to it. And you normally you see a guy this size and you think, okay, you got the lung, the, the young legs right now, but right. what about in four years of being a pro after some of those miles rack up? Uh, I look at him almost, and I see a little bit of like Julius Randall, but better um, as far as physicality goes. Um, but but the sh- the shoot thing it just took a life of its own because you think okay was that like the force of his body ripping that shoe in half or <laughs> did the five year old in China that made the shoe just not do a good job? Yeah, I guess they're, what they're saying is that he doesn't switch his shoes out enough. Like I guess you know at a school like Duke you have access to new shoes all the time, and I think uh, Shaq and Charles were Shaq said he he switched. I think. Um, Every couple of games, you know, Michael Jordan, a lot of guys shoot, uh, switch every game. Charles said he'd go a week. Um, but I guess these are the same pair he's been using all uh, season long now. I mean, I know when we were kids, when we, we didn't play, you know, at this level. But, I mean, I only got one pair of basketball shoes. Yeah, I was, I was uh, taping the bottom <laughs> of my shoes. <laughs> uh, yeah, we didn't have a good shoe situation, did we, Cause? No, we did not. We did not. Um, but I, I, you know, he's very fortunate because it wasn't one of his big plants on a big move. He was just kind of just kind of stopping to do like some sort of, you know, pivot. It wasn't like him really going for it because that would have been if he's just it was just a mild sprain because of that. If he was really like making a serious change of direction move or a um you know, one of going for some really, you know, impactful thing. I mean, it could have been a lot worse. So fortunately for him, uh, it wasn't that explosive of a move he was trying to make. I feel like we've seen like five. I've, I think I've seen like five shoe blowouts in the last like year or two. It does seem to be more I've often. I've never heard of a shoe blowout prior to that. And right. So maybe there's something to, you know, like everything in this world, it's just going to hell in a handbasket. We're all going to die anyway. 
<laughs> you know, little kids in China, they don't work as hard as they used to back in my day. You know, of course, Darren Ravel had to weigh in with a tweet of like, you know, something about like his insurance policy as he was getting like ruled out of the game for a knee injury. And people started talking about, you know, the the, the impact of this on kind of college sports as a whole. And, you know, should players be able to come out of you know school earlier and all that good stuff. So it sort of devolved into the typical Twitter conversation surrounding this. Um, you know, teams are real excited about this guy coming out of the draft. That- that's... That talk is actually really crazy because they're talking to be like, should he shut down or this and that? Like the worst thing he could possibly do is leave Duke and just like, because he's not going to go and sit on his mom's couch. He's going to go hire a trainer and they're going to work out and he's going to go to either LA or New York or Chicago, hmm. someplace where he can get, you know, a group of high level athletes together and, and continue to play basketball so he can stay in shape. The worst, that's the worst thing for him because that now you're just at a random gym somewhere playing basketball with a bunch of guys. You know, if, if, if Paul George or Gordon Hayward were to have their injuries at just random gyms, oh. they might have, they might have, Paul George might have lost his leg. You know, both of those guys might never have played again. It's the fact that they were in NBA games, you know, world, you know, championships games and had the best medical staff possible right there on the spot to get to the injury initially that they are, that helped in their, you know, recovery. So for to people to think that it's safer for him not to play is crazy. <laughs> you want him at Duke's practice. Well, you want him at those games. So if something happens, they can take care of it. And, and now, okay, so now let's let's flip the script a little bit. We talked about Zion enough. I'm, I'm excited. I think teams are excited and I, I want to see more. Uh, when we have time um, but now you mentioned playing and not playing and so uh, you know full disclosure since you're not on Twitter as much as I am uh, I've been teeing off on the the Pelicans and Anthony Davis and the league and the MBPA and everybody involved with Anthony Davis because I cannot for the life of me understand how he can make a trade demand and now New Orleans has to shoulder the risk of him being on a basketball court and not to mention just the chaos of him being on a basketball court. And we'll talk about all that stuff. Um, so he's going through it right now. You know, he, he's getting hit. He did an interview, uh, I believe, with um, NBA TV. Yes, NBA TV, where he just sort of talked openly about wanting to be with 29 other basketball teams. And, yeah, um, yeah. I got a little bit of it. <laughs> I mean... <laughs> I, I like part of me feels bad because he definitely looks like a dude who's getting terrible advice. Yes. <laughs> but then I kind of just go, you know what? You're not that dumb. Like exactly. Do your own thing. Dummy. Yeah. Like I'm, yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah. You get like, you don't get to go out there and do this, make the power moves. Right. You know, yeah. and, and then just sort of dumbassery your way through the situation. Like, no, you don't go on TV and talk about 29 other basketball teams while you're going to force your way into the lineup and, and try to suit up for the Pelicans for the next 25 games. Yeah, yeah um, come on. Yeah, well, you, you don't owe oh, 20, 29 other teams? Okay, good. We'll trade you to Washington. You know, we'll trade you to, tra- trade you to Atlanta. See how that rubs you. You know, come on. Come on. I, I, I mean, I mean – lie. Make it a good lie, please. So I, I think this – I know, right? I, I think if this question, you know, was asked three months ago – you know, Giannis or AD, 
<clears throat> pardon me, the, 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 the people would be more, they'd be more, I think it would be a tougher question. I think now that AD's kind of down on his luck in the media, I think more people might just kind of knee-jerk say, you know, if I was starting a franchise right now, I'd take Giannis. It's a tough question. The, these yes. two players, and where do they stand in the pecking order as guys like, say, Steph? You know, we'll see about KD. He's still in his prime. Uh, LeBron might be, question mark, you know, starting to creep out of, like, the, the one, two, and number three slots in the NBA. I don't know. Uh, 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 I'll tell you what. He can't blow by anybody. No. No. That's he has those he has those moments of like those crazy dunks. So he has a couple of really good jumps in him a game. But as far as like first step, he can't get by. He cannot blow by. He can get an advantage and he's so big and skilled, but he can't blow by anybody. That's I mean, pretty tough, that's, man. Yeah. And it, it it's that's a, probably an under discussed wrinkle in all this stuff, though. Anthony Davis will be appearing on LeBron James HBO show The Shop, I think, yeah. tonight. So it doesn't really matter in the acquisition of free agents. I don't know. <laughs> this is hilarious, dude. Like, I, I can't, and I feel like Twitter's asleep on this. Like, stuff happens with Anthony Davis, like the the, the announcement he'd be on LeBron James HBO show. Um, <laughs> like, this is. They're just doing it in plain sight now. And I'm cool with pro player movement and players throwing down the hammer. I'm cool with it all. Right. But this idea that, that Anthony Davis should be on a basketball court right now while this is all going on is just, you know, sort of beyond me with, with everything we've seen in the NBA. Um, so LeBron, though, he's, you know, obviously tipping the scales in free agency. And Giannis is up in Milwaukee. Really... I mean, they seem to be man. I saw an article. Steph would Steph Curry go to Milwaukee? I saw that article pop pop across my uh, feed the other day, <laughs> and and I just was like, what are we, what does this world come to? <laughs> like, so uh, Giannis has obviously built something really nice there. Um, you know, they're, they're, they got uh, Coach Bud has come in, put in his system. I mean, you know, you saw an article from SI and. Uh, Rob Mahoney, who does great great work over there, wrote about how Chris Middleton's role has changed, and they sort of just said, "Hey, this is your new role," and you know they've really put this new system in, and, and they're trying to get buy-in. It sounds like Middleton is bought in. You know, you got a good, solid, you know, young core from you know youngish, I should say, with Eric Bledsoe, but you know Malcolm Brogdon's in a good spot. Um, you add Nikola Mirotic, so so people want to play with Team Giannis. They don't want to play with Team LeBron. I'm going to play with Team Giannis. And AD is just sort of lying out there in the lurch. Like, I think something, what I don't know what it was, passed by my, my feed was that uh, something downplaying his future in Boston. And, um, you know, Boston's got the assets to, to trade for AD. Um, will they is the question in my head. And then, you know, can, can AD get back to LA? And then what does that mean? You know, is AD your focal point, you know, in a LeBron driven franchise, whereas Giannis right now is the focal point. Is there, is there an argument to be made that AD should be the focal point? You know, if he lands in LA, um, 
who's the better player? So this this was something that that was was your brainchild cause. I want to know who are you taking, Giannis or AD, to start your franchise? Well, you know, it's not even so much. I mean, starting your franchise, it's the difference between the two. If you had to say who's the most skilled player, yeah, let's not call it starting the franchise. Let's just call it dropping him into a oh, franchise. Yeah, I mean, well, so the most skills, probably think you know. As of right now, Anthony Davis is a better jump shot. Um, he's longer. Um, he, he can play off other players a little easier at this point in his career than Giannis. With that being said, if, if you didn't know where the person was going, right? So if you didn't know who the other teammates were going to be, Giannis has shown a greater desire to want to, to lead and to impact games. Like he, you feel him now. Like there was a, he had an and one last night where they threw, he, he leaked out and it was just him and I think Kyrie back. And so they just, so Middleton just threw it up. It was a great pass and he got the ball. Celtics recovered pretty quickly. And he was like way under the hoop. There was three Celtics around him. He could have, there was guys open all over the place. He said, no, he bumped whoever was next to him and went up, got fouled and got the dunk. And like, yeah, Anthony Davis can do it, but like, he just doesn't do that all the time. <laughs> like when, when you play Giannis, you have to strap up and be ready to go. And there's times where you look at the stat line and you're like, wow, Anthony Davis had a really good game. You know, but then you watch the game and you're like, well, Andy Davis was kind of missing. You know, they got the exact same stat line. And you're like, man, Giannis was unbelievable tonight. And you're like, yeah, Andy Davis was kind of just floating around. And so outside of all the other drama, just for that, a guy that I know is going to go and bring it every single night and try to be the best player on the floor every single night, I'm taking Giannis. I mean, my mind is just sort of banging around here because you do when you look at Giannis. Like, here's the here's the fear I have with Giannis. The basketball still looks like a shot put in his hands at times. So, like, I keep going back to last year's playoffs when basically just dared to shoot. You know, really, really, even more so than you see now. Just daring you to shoot and taking away all of your angles to the hoop. And, and yeah, there's the Ben Simmons thing where you give somebody too much space and then they got a ramp to go with. Um, so that's the one downside with Giannis that just, I, I can't shake it. Um, it, it, it he's going to have to shoot his way out of that. Um, Davis has the, he has like everything you want in a basketball player, but I do, you're talking about like a, a rebound and an and one type situation. I don't see Davis doing that that much. I don't even think he's a good defender anymore. Like, I, I think he's got this ability to, to get blocks and steals because the wingspan and he's not like dead money. You know, he can get out there and slide his feet pretty well. But like, <clears throat> as far as being an elite defender and, you know, not leaving a lot of plays on tape where he either missed on effort or he missed on just athleticism or instinct. You know, there's a lot of that stuff that just sort of laying out there and, and it, it gets swept underneath the carpet because he's going to go for like 40 and 20, you know, with like two steals, two blocks. And you go, how could that be a bad game? You know, that wasn't a bad game, but he, but if you look at the film, he's actually 
giving up quite a bit there. And, and this sort of idealized question of what Anthony Davis could be is also sort of unanswered. So you think, you know, is there even more ceiling here? I think that's what people say, you know, New Orleans hasn't surrounded him with anything. So he has higher, he can go. And I worry that he's already past his peak. And, and that's, you know, for, for all the hoopla going on right now about him, you know, where does he rank even in the top, you know, players in the NBA right now? You know, we're talking about him kind of like, is he the preeminent kind of the next guy that's going to take the torch for some of these older guys? Right. Giannis is the first person on everybody's mind when you ask that question right now. And then I go, well, where's AD right now? If, if he's on the downswing now, you know, where is he right now? Is he top five? Is he top I 10? So. I mean, he might, I mean, that's the thing. Is he is, top 10? That's a good, that's a good question right there. That's a good question. And, and, and here's the thing. Like everyone says he, oh, they haven't surrounded anything. Listen, listen, Drew Holiday is a pretty damn good player. He's very good. <laughs> you know, he had Boogie Cousins for the majority of the year and they were like the eighth spot. You know, like, I mean, like, yeah, it'd be nice if every team could build a team like the Warriors. But I mean, most teams only got like two good players on it. You know, so this idea that they haven't surrounded them with anything. I mean, even their average guys like Solomon Hill's pretty good. You know, like when I want, you know, um, uh, who's it? Etwan Moore. I mean, there's there's guys out there who are serviceable pros. It's not like they've got a bunch of 12th men that are just like complete chumps. You know, like for all of Rondo's faults, I mean, the guy did get to two NBA finals. I mean, it's not like he's, you know, he's not like a, a terrible player. So I, this idea that he has been surrounded by nobody is, you know, I, I don't know where people are getting that. No, they're getting you know? it from the re- the records. And and then, I mean, let's be fair, Dell Demps made some dumb deals. And and I've seen some pushback on that um, with, that. hey, look, this is a football team that owns a basketball team. They're not, you know, they're not enabling Dell Demps. There were some dumb deals there. You kept going after centers that would never ever play again and giving them big contracts. I mean, the list sort of goes on and on with New Orleans and the bad deals. But that said, I mean, Drew Holiday alone kind of shelters me from that argument. Right. He, he, he is that good. He's good. <laughs> he's, I, I, think he's, I think he's better than Damian Lillard. I've said that before. I think he's a top guard in the NBA. And yeah. so... He so this AD thing. I mean, I, I think what we're both sort of leaning here towards is that we would we would probably have Giannis over AD, but it doesn't sound like that out there. You know, in yep. in, in the NBA space, everybody thinks Anthony Davis is the next next thing, and I I don't know if I would have him in the top ten, and that's that's weird. It's weird considering his upside. Right, and you can sit, like think if you were to take out. Say, you, okay, there's no LeBron, there's no KD, there's no Steph, there's no Harden, there's no Westbrook, right? And then, like, so let's compare him to, like, let's just say a guy like, uh, a guy like Jason Tatum, right? Mm. Like, let's, let's just go there. Now, you got a kid in Jason Tatum who is improving every year, a, a, a big-time NBA score, right? Big-time NBA score. 
much better defender than than I would have ever imagined that he's going to be. And we've seen him thrive in the in those early, you know, chances in the playoffs. He had some bad games, but I mean, he's he played pretty well. You know, how much better? Honestly, <laughs> how much better is AD as your number one option than Jason Tatum as your number one option? You know, I just had this idea, this epiphany, and I'm just thinking, was Danny Ainge just trying to screw with the Lakers? Like, I, I personally, I can see where you're going with this, and I've not understood the, the hell-bent obsession to get Anthony Davis from, say, like Boston, um, you know, considering... All, like all of the players they have and like kind of like is this how you're going to cash out of this situation I get it you know you get him and that's going to be very good for you and, and, and all of that but you're right like Jason Tatum I'm I'm also I'll, I'll even back in into this a little bit and say you know what I always thought Jason Tatum's best years would be his first few years because I thought he was a little bit heavy um, he hasn't been heavy at right. all he's been plenty athletic um, so my initial read on his situation I'm not a college expert he you know, he's exceeded all of my expectations. Um, I still think there's a little bit of potential that if he doesn't stay as sharp athletically, that, you know, he could get a little bit, fall back in the pack a little bit in this discussion. But yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm not, I'm not excited to take on Anthony Davis and all the injury risk and the, the pounds, the weight, he does not, he doesn't have that, that vertical presence anymore. And he doesn't have the side-to-side lateral quickness that I want out of an elite defensive player. Now, he does have the whole package. He's somewhere up that in that top 10 area. Right, right. But, I mean... But the, the narrative is he's a foregone conclusion when those guys that I mentioned are out of their prime or out of the league that it is clearly... It is clear that Anthony Davis is a is going to be the best player in the league. And I just don't, I just don't know where people are seeing that. It's going to be an interesting month or so. Cause you know, Anthony Davis, now the report out of uh, new Orleans is that the league again, wants him to play. And he goes to the locker room. Uh, like I'm not joking here for those who don't watch every single day. He goes to the locker room due to injury almost once every game. It's it's a, it's definitely <laughs> in the once every two games. Like it's definitely at once every two games. Like you could go to the the facts and and that's what it is. He had a shoulder injury like right on cue before the All Star break. The 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 idea that he is out there um, playing basketball and and really just insulting his team, in my opinion, he's insulting his team by by saying, "I'm not about the future here at all." And I'm also going to be the, the world's biggest distraction to you guys. Like winning has to be kind of like a joke right now. And um, so he's going to go out there and do that. And, and it's funny what you said earlier about like, you know, like he's no babe in the woods. The first time I ever heard Anthony Davis speak was right after the draft. He was on Jim Rome and I was blown away of how intelligent he was and articulate he was. And he's thinking about his future and how he wasn't, you know, he, he you know, he, they were, he asked him like what he was going to buy. And he's like, I'm not going to make any major purchases to my second contract because I've seen guys. Like, I mean, 
I was like, this guy has got it together. So the idea that he's being just pulled along by the nose by Rich Paul and LeBron is ridiculous. Here's here's my I got a theory. I, I I think you know a lot of people on Twitter don't they don't like it's not that they don't get this they just the Twitter reality is way different than than basketball reality and I and I get this all the time with people at the Kings. What you see on Twitter, they don't care about at. All in this, they care to the extent that a terrestrial TV or big radio outlet might pick something up and run with it. They're concerned about like inside the NBA, you know, on TNT, taking a narrative and running with that. So I think that that the the idea here, you saw this with Kawhi, and now you're seeing it with Anthony Davis. I think that agents are telling these guys, we can control the narrative on this we you you go out there and and what you want to play ball you want to keep playing you know do you want to you not want to have this trade request hang over you you know you you and, and you didn't get traded so you know if you don't play people might look at that and say oh you're quitting on your team so you're gonna you want to play right oh yeah 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 we should play here <laughs> and then they're saying don't worry about twitter you know because that's not going to matter. Nobody will remember in a year anyway. And they're pushing through where they previously hadn't pushed through. And it's not done anything good for Kawhi Leonard. And it's not going to do anything good for Anthony Davis. Um, we shall see. It should be extremely interesting. And, you know. I think I think the Kawhi Leonard, I think that's significantly different. Yeah, me too. I think it's, I think it's significantly different. But, but, but I, I don't, I mean, these guys are now planning a season ahead for their power play moves. That's a little different than what we've seen in the past with this stuff. I think. Yeah, I, I, I do. But I think that I, I think that for the Kawhi Leonard thing, I just think that uh, pop is getting just a huge pass pass because he's pop. Well, I think that, I think think this is a whole, I think that I don't think that going into uh, last season, I don't think Kawhi Leonard had any, intention of not being a spur for the rest of his career that's just that's just well, my, that's, I mean, I'm that's sure like would... its whole own show cause <laughs> we're, yeah. so, we're, i'm gonna so, just well, take a mulligan well, that, on that and well, <laughs> maybe one day later we'll throw that in as a topic god uh, you know james harden is is very interesting in that he is very polarizing and i kind of look at what he's doing and I think, you know, because I'm old enough to have seen basketball from the 90s and, and earlier, um, I, I I think what he's doing is amazing because he's taken the game, just kind of turned it on its head. Um, he's definitely traveling all the time. I've been out in front talking about that, you know. And I still get tweets about not just James Harden's travel thing with the Steph Curry 1-3 on his chest. I get the Steve Ballmer yeah. tweets because uh, – People think that's serious. Um, it was a joke, people. But the uh, the J- the James Harden stuff, like he is fairly uncoverable, and you and I definitely have yelled at the top of our lungs ways to defend James Harden that aren't currently being used. You are seeing though now. It's funny. Remember when we talked about this probably about a year or two ago? We said if you're defending James Harden, you just take your hands and you put them behind your back and you don't even put them in there and you're starting to see guys actually do that. Like, you know, they're showing the refs, Hey, my hands are behind my back. 
I'm not in there. And, and they're going at it like that. But, um, you know, his streak, what is it, at 32 games now? 32 games. 32 games. 30 uh, points or more. I mean, what, what, where, do we, where do we frame this and then kind of where do we go from here? You know, I, you know I, I watched last night. And the Lakers have done a really good job the last few times that they've played him about, you know, keeping him going right and not reaching in. And they, they've been very smart about their closeouts on the step back. They kind of move to um, – they move to his – they don't – they're not trying to block the shot. <laughs> you know, and I, I don't know why anybody does, but they, they've, they're very uh, – they're, they're, they've been very smart about the way they've covered him. He got his 30 last night, but it was a very difficult 30. And when he goes to his right – I mean, he's just not that good. No, he's he's very ordinary at best. Ordinary at best. I mean, he, his, and the most, the what's the the most damning thing is his passing going to his right. Mm. He cannot he he cannot pinpoint his passes going that way. He's not creative going that way, and it's it's really it, it's it's such a, it's not like it's he's a little bit worse. I mean, he's way worse. You know, he is ordinary at best going to his right. It's like a, you have to, you have to take that thing away. And the more you do it, the more frustrating he gets. He fouled out last night, picking up two charges um, because he was frustrated. He took three possessions in a row. He took three of the step backs and they, he got lazy with, you know, what makes that so effective is you can't touch him. He does all that crazy, really tight dribbling. And then he just waits, waits, waits. And then when he gets you moving the way he wants, then he, then he pulls it on you. He was so frustrated. He just got lazy and just came down the court and took like one dribble and a step back like three times in a row. And it's, it was all because he wasn't getting what he wanted going to his left. It's funny when somebody gets punched in the mouth, how it really like screws with their game. Cause you know, it's right. not, not going right. And then all of a sudden it just unravels from there. And so true. And, and all of these you know, different matchups we talk about. I was watching DeMarcus Cousins last night, and if if the Kings went at him, he, you know, he, it's, he's phased. You know, yeah. he, he's he's now, you know, out of his game, out of his element. And so with, with Harden, um, you started to see the over-the-top defensive stance from Kevin Looney, and I'm sure somebody else did it before that, but, you know, J.J. Uh, Redick didn't do it, but J.J. Redick was the first I saw that really occupied the correct space against him. And yes. now, with this step back being what it is, teams are are correctly daring him to go right, but they're not. I've never I've never seen a situation where you you say, "Hey, I'm taking away your left," and then right. somebody can still get to it. I mean, well, what's his name? Did very, uh, Ginobili was very good at that. Of course, he Ginobili, was. <laughs> Ginobili was Ginobili was very good at that. But in general, like if you think of like Lamar Odom, he if you forced him right, he really couldn't get back there. You know, and he was very he was he he was kind of like he was probably a little bit better to his right than Harden, but it was a significant drop off from his left. But. You know, it's just difficult. It's just very difficult to do. Well, and the, you know? the, the lack of mid-range game for Harden 
is really yes. where this this all kind of shows up. And and when you're talking about him going right, like I I, I struggle to conjure images of him finishing that direction. Oh. And oh. his his floater's terrible. He, he doesn't to. have any real leaping ability, you know, in those moments. And the passing thing is. To me, I mean, he, he's hey, he's gotten such a pass by the league for just, you know, kind of being a one-two player. Like, he can dribble the daylight out of the ball. It's, it's a, he's one of the best dribblers I've ever seen. He yeah. he has this, if, if you're not going to get my step back, I'm going to go around you to the left. And it's an either-or type thing where he has really just had so much success going left. And I wonder if he just hasn't had enough reps going right. it's it's very possible but i think because he doesn't because he like a guy like who have those elite handles like guys like Kyrie, guys like steph they're not big enough to absorb the contact right so like like harden even if he doesn't like he beats you going to his left but he can still get there he's so big and strong he can still get. He can still make moves that way. So those guys, guys like Steph and Kyrie, they had to develop their offhand. Like they, they're not gonna be just if, if you get if you beat them to the right, they can't just bowl you over and get where they want to get like Harden can. So I, I think there's something to what you're saying about just not getting those reps. Cool. And, and it's it's funny now that you know Houston's. I, I don't know the exact win loss, but I think it, since Chris Paul's been back, they're about 500. And um, yeah. during the, the streak, I looked that up. During the so streak, they were winning pretty, pretty well. And 2011 during the streak. Yeah, and and so like, there's going to be a question of the, can these two play together, and you know, how is this team going to morph, you know, as it gets into the playoffs, and just sort of what's going to happen there. Um, they're they're also an under the ra- the radar unique story because like, Chris Paul is not going to be good for the rest of this deal. And it's a, oh my God. it's an it's albatross a of a deal. And yeah. how are they going to maneuver within that environment? And then on the court, how is it going to work as well? Cause you know, both, both of them are, you know, Chris Paul is definitely going to lose a lot as, as you know, we go through the next couple of years here and James Harden, you know, I, I wonder when the league is going to get tired of the travel and, and start making it a point of emphasis He's um, he's completely he's completely it's a travel, it's a travel and and then I'm like people try to tell me it's a gather step and I'm like what gather step gather up three steps and call it one step. <laughs> so anyway, Harden Harden is is um he's a polarizing figure and and but at the same time I I want to give him his props because like nobody he's- nobody can cover him. I think he's the best. He's the one guy in the league, and I'll, I'm going to give him his props in this sense. He has taken the rules that have been handed to him, and he is executing a plan. He's an innovator. Perfect. Yes, he he really is. Like he he is. You know, you don't people don't like. He has worked on specific things that are perfect for his body and the rules that that they have. And he has taken it to the max. So I will grant that. But I think kind of the idea, I feel like some people are talking about like that, you know, 
some of the great scorers of the past. <laughs> yeah, they forgot about all those guys. It's kind of, I mean, you, <laughs> you think like you would have had a really easy time with Jordan and today's rules. I mean, come on, guys. <laughs> like, you know, Dominique Wilkins would have hated not being touched. You know, <laughs> I mean, come on. Well, it, it was um, Mike D'Antoni, actually. This will be the final thing on Harden. He He weighed in on some of the, I don't know, controversy over James Harden's game. Lack of, there's not even controversy, but whatever. He's People don't like isolation basketball. They don't understand isolation basketball, and they, um, you know, they, they take shots at James Harden over isolation basketball. But he's so efficient with his scoring that you got to go there, especially when you don't have Chris Paul. You have to, as the Rockets say, we have this piece. You can't stop it. We're right. going to go to it 50 times a game. And maybe more. And yeah. it's not p- pretty to watch at times, but his handles and his the thinking that he's doing to get to and then and then the innovative stuff with the step back and you know the the drive to the hoop where he brings the ball out as far forward as humanly possible and the ball's practically at the ground and then brings his arms up to complete the drive and shot where all you're gonna do is just hack his arms. Like that stuff is innovative. You don't see a ton of it. And um, so for that, I will always look at James Harden's career and be somewhat in awe of of everything that he's done. Now, he is a scorer that understands basketball. Would you you agree, Kaz? Understands scoring. I mean, he doesn't really care much about um, defense. But yes, he understands the matchup he has, the rules, where he is on the floor. He does understand that, absolutely. And... He's like the only one. I mean, <laughs> I like look at like even the Warriors. You know, we talked about the Warriors against the the Rockets. We talked about the Warriors in general. I remember, you know, um, or even like the teams that play the Warriors. Uh, Portland. You know, there was this, you know, this inability for the, t- the Portland Trailblazers to realize that the, the Warriors were going to blitz every point or probably every pick and roll that that D- Damian Lillard and CJ McCollum were going to run because they're the good players. And you want the ball out of their hands. You want to get it to the bad players on offense. And that's what Portland couldn't figure out. And and the Warriors couldn't figure out that teams that were switching them needed to pay for the switches. And you needed a Steph Curry to just go isolation all game until he got them out of that defense. Um, Teams that don't, scorers that don't understand Basketball just seems to be extremely prevalent around the NBA. Um, I, the way I look at it is I just kind of go, so you guys are just going to play? Cool. Like, we're, we're not going to actually target the mark? Cool. <laughs> like, like, I mean, we'd be playing pickup and be like, that guy can't cover this guy. Like, yeah. let's just give yeah. him the – because we didn't want to get off the court. Right. And we didn't want right. to lose in the, the, the shit-talking battle. Like. Right. What what am I what what is going on, Cause? Like, what, 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 I know you had a specific that you wanted to talk about, so maybe we'll go to specific. But like, are we going to well, ever get past this? I don't know because I, you know I've been watching a lot of. Um, I'm I'm jumping back into the coaching arena a little bit. I'm going to be coaching track, and I've been kind of doing some stuff. I've been watching a little bit of. I've been watching a little Bill Belichick stuff, and. You know what, if you you don't watch football so much as you used to and neither do I, but it's changing more towards like college, you know, running those kind of offenses. And the league is dumbing down, except for Bill Belichick. 
<laughs> like everyone else is running these spreads and all this kind of stuff, except for Bill Belichick. He's demanding the same things he ever did from his defense, the same things he ever did from his offense. And that's happening in the NBA. They've dumbed it down to the point now where, like, you know, last night, Giannis, they, they were able to pull out the game against Boston. But down the stretch, they kept they went to him a bunch of times, which is great. He's their best player by far. And you go to him. You got spot-up shooters on the floor and all that stuff. He would. They kept switching. Boston was switching, like, every screen off the ball before he got it. So each time he caught the ball, or every he would have – you know, Marcus Smart on him, or um, even Morris. He had Kyrie, but he kept on, especially, I don't mind as much as Morris, but the couple times with Kyrie and, and Marcus Smart, he flared all the way out to the three-point line. It's like, you've lost your advantage. Once those guys were on you, if you're coming from the, if, if somebody's got it on the opposite wing and you want to catch it at the top of the, the top of the three-point line, and then all of a sudden you have Marcus Smart on you, don't go all the way out to the three-point line. Cut it off at the, at the free-throw line. And make your now you're just making one step. You don't have to do anything. You just go over the top. Instead, you go all the way out to the three-point line, some of the times two or three feet behind the three-point line, where now you have to make basketball move against a really good perimeter defender. And I was just like, what is he doing? There was no reason for him to go to that space on the floor besides the fact that that's what they've practiced and that's what was called for in that set. But if you're Giannis, you got to understand, why the hell am I going to drag Marcus Smart all the way to the place where he's strongest on defense? I I wonder if teams are really just understaffed because, you know... (laughs) I mean, I'm I'm being kind of serious with this. Like, you know, okay, let's say I own a basketball team, right? You know, I'm I'm one of those I'm one of those new wave owners. I want a headset, right? And I want to like call down to the to the sideline and and I want to try all the weird stuff, right? Yeah. Well, why don't I just do this really weird thing? I'd hire a person to just this is their job where they're going to look at games from totality and say, "Well, Giannis, you know, you did exactly what Cause just said. You know, we're, we're big listeners of the Cause and Bruce show. And when Cause said, yep, you did that. <laughs> and, um, you know, we got to find a way to get out of this. But it doesn't happen. And I think there's this connection to system basketball, um, which is a wild concept because there are some coaches out there who don't have any system at all. Um, right. they, they just want everything to free flow, to GURP, as the great John Jones would once say. To GURP, man. And uh, the... The, the breaking from that, like, it just doesn't occur. Don't you think you could just have a hot call where I've got this matchup that's favorable? You know, we break the system, and, and now we we sort of reset or not. You don't have to, you know, and, and then just take that, what the defense gave you. But they're not doing it. I watched the Kings last night push the Warriors to the limit. You know, I didn't get to watch the first half, so I haven't done the film work there. But in the second half... Um, you know, DeMarcus Cousins is out there and I'm sorry, DeMarcus Cousins can't defend a lick right now. It's he's, he's too heavy. He doesn't recover. He doesn't have the instincts. He doesn't have the endurance and And Achilles too. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's not, (laughs) it it is what it is, right? Like, and so the Kings, you know, like 
Bogdan Bogdanovich got out there and, and completely saw this and just put him in the pick and roll probably about three straight times and, and they were getting wide open threes and it was just really easy. And you're like, Hey, smart basketball, you know, keep doing it. You know, I, I run that again and again and again and again and again and again until he's either fouled out or, or they've called timeout to get him off the floor. You know, and then he's punishing you on the other end with offensive rebounds and being a very capable three-point shooter in a pick-and-roll with all these dangerous basketball players. He's punishing you on the other end. And, I'm, I mean, looking at the Warriors, what, what I would say, at any team that plays them in the playoffs, you have to play DeMarcus Cousins off the floor. In, in, in one, because it's going to make them spend about 20 minutes of his his basketball playing time trying to figure out what to do while he's on the floor because it's not going to work. So you're right. going to take those 20 minutes. You're going to make them a crappy 20 minutes because the Warriors are going to be phased by that. But if he's on the floor and can just sit there and drain threes because you don't want Steph Curry to go to the rim, you don't want Kevin Durant to go to the rim. I mean, you, it's just so, there's too many options on the floor to not do that. And – so the Kings, of course, because they have this sort of, like a lot of teams, it's just this, it's not a democratic offense. It's just a, this is what we do when we run this and we go, like, they don't know. They're like, this is what we do. I have yeah. no idea that they can run the same thing over and over and over again. I mean, like, you you, you hear, like, you know, some of the 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 announcers from different teams, they'll be like, oh, you know, this guy's a, this guy's a historian. Of basketball, he was talking to me. No, I'm, I'm thinking like, do they? Are they really? Because Carl Malone and John Stockton didn't play that long ago, and they ran the same damn thing for 15 years, and all it made was Carl Malone the second leading scorer of all time, and John Stockton the leader and assist of all time. So, <laughs> I I don't I don't know what they're talking about, and, and as far as systems go, like. You know, Shaq talked about all the time how him and Phil Jackson would get into it because once he caught the ball in a certain spot in the triangle, he knew that instead of passing it and having it flow the way Phil wanted, he said, I know if I just hold on to the ball, this guy's got to cut through and then I get my ISO. <laughs> and, I, and, I, and I wasn't, wasn't going to give up my ISO. That's what smart players do. They don't go, oh, well, because they drew this up, you know, now I've got the matchup that I want, the spot that I want, but I better pass it for the sake of harmony, even well, though I'm a, a Hall of Famer. Speaking you of know? which, this is this is the crazy, so the end of that game, they're, you know, the Kings somehow, because Draymond, of course, got a stupid tech, and, you know, the... I mean, come on. I mean, come on. I, honestly, just like, the biggest pass in the world goes to Draymond Green, yet he still complains about so, so much. And uh, so they're in the game, and, you know, Buddy hits this really long three-pointer to to bring it within three, and then they've got a, a chance to – they're down two, and they got seven seconds, and everybody in the building's like, got to go for three here. You're on the road. It's the Warriors. you got to go for three. And I'm sitting there going – well, okay, if everybody in the building thinks this, I'm probably going to get a wide open two. Like, I mean, if everybody's going to sell out covering this three-point shot that hasn't been taken yet, I, I bet I got a, a backdoor cut. And right. so um, Dave Yeager draws up this really nice play where there's all sorts of action, and 
Harrison Barnes, who has now been kind of sort of declared the franchise player in Sacramento. He gets the most minutes and, you know, sort of can do whatever he wants out there. And, and that's, it, it, that's a little f- nice little side topic for, for a later show. He's the guy passing in the ball. So the play is designed for Buddy to get a three. And he was so connected to that play... You know, and, and and Buddy and Dave Yeager had gotten into it a little bit earlier, and Yeager's probably saying, "All right, I'm a, you know, show faith in my guy. I'm gonna draw this play up for Buddy. You know, Buddy, shoot us, shoot us a three, and let's get out of here with the win." So what happens? Marvin Bagley flashes to the hoop, wide open. Harrison Barnes staring right at it, can't see the cut because he's so committed to the play, and they're so committed to the system. I mean, this same Kings, everybody yeah. wants to say like Dave Yeager's coach of the year, and he's done a great job with this team. Don't get me wrong. The, the, the reason they sucked so bad last year was they, they ran the system they're running this year just without Zach Randolph on the floor. They were so committed to that system last year, and they're still this year committed to that system. That the, it's, it, it's funny, too, because the Kings are blowing away expectations, and they could be so much better. They leave about 10 to 20 to maybe 25 plays in a game on the table because they don't recognize a mismatch. So, I mean, where where I, I, where where is the is there is there light at the end of this tunnel? Is there going to be a team or a player that sort of ushers in and you would think it would be like a James Harden. He's taken the mismatches, but nobody likes that. Is, yeah, is this, but is this I ever going to fix? It's I think it's people don't I, I don't mind that he's shooting as much. It's that there's no movement. I think that's where there's no movement of, of player which makes it not a very sustainable system. Um I, if, I, if everything's not if everyone's not shooting well, it doesn't make because it's easy to defend. You're just standing there looking at one guy and you know where your guy is. I mean it's 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 first grade point your pistols defense, you know? So you tell your first graders in basketball, point your pistols. Where's the man? Where's the ball? You see them both, you're in the right spot. So it's easy to defend. So if everyone's not shooting well when he breaks you down, it's, you know, you just can't, you know, it's just not a very good system. But I don't have a problem with him taking advantage of the mismatches at all, especially with some of the subpar athletic um players that they have I, I think if the warriors don't take advantage of mismatches and they're supposed to be the gold standard you know that people point oh, to as nba no, offense they, they, they don't at all they, they don't at all they're just really good players and the system kind of keeps them in check you know like the, the that's why like they didn't deviate from it because i don't think they know how to really because they're not the smartest players. Like that, this idea that they are really high IQ basketball players, outside of Andre Iguodala and Livingston and Draymond Green, I don't really see it. Like the rest of them just chuck, but the <laughs> system and the spacing <laughs> keeps them in. I'm serious, you know? I mean, we've seen, I mean, I, I'm not crazy to say that Steph Perry just makes a, about one to two asinine plays a game, right? No, that just no. You know, he like, gets. He awesome. also gets a pass. Speaking of passes, <laughs> he gets a massive pass. Yeah. So I mean, that's not that's not crazy talk. So <laughs> you know? I guess like that's where I'm. Where what? So if these guys are the top, and you know, it's funny you mentioned um, uh, Bill Belichick, and and you know, you've seen Pop in the past. Maybe he's the equivalent in the NBA where 
he was they were a slow team and then they sort of just cranked it up one year and now he's trying to take a bunch of mid-range shots and right um I feel like those are the teams that might lead us out of this where they go anything to win. And oh, by the way, we have this mismatch. And right. so we're in the middle of our system. We've got our, our horns set. Everybody loves horns these days. You got our horns set. And then all of a sudden we go, oh, wait, they switched. They, the defense handed us a switch, you know, and now we're, we're going to take, you know, whoever against whoever. And they just break it off. It's, it's, right. I, I don't know that I, I'm, I'm, Wondering where that, especially with is Greg it, Popovich possibly retiring, where that's going right. to come from. Is it go, is it because of the there's not enough like you we you said earlier? Yeah, when we were on the playground, is it because kids don't play in the playground? It could be, it, you know what? It could easily it be that because in the playground environment, you just want to stay on the court. That's it, right? But now and you're, you're also, working out. You know, you're doing pro level workouts. You know, at 14, 15, 16, in these right. controlled shell drills. And right. it's, uh, maybe that's it. I, I But to me, it, it's really, I, I you know, I, I, I kind of just, I look at this in Sacramento, and they've got two things that they can always go to. One is, is De'Aaron Fox can get the ball out of the hoop and run as fast as he, he can. <laughs> that's that's <laughs> been, that was like impossible to stop. Because I mean, you're just like in a whirlwind. Like, okay, everybody, turn your head. He's here, and then by virtue of your attention being on that, you're not setting up for something else. And the Kings right. were pressing into that and and having great success. That stopped, you know. And then they started to, to struggle a bit. But you know, their inability to find the the mismatch and and get to it has cost them maybe five wins this season. And that's an amazing number because they were only supposed to win twenty five point five. Games according to Vegas. Um, any final thoughts, sir? You know, we're we're, we're hitting up uh, against the uh, hour mark here. What you got? Uh, I got you know I uh, I'm, I've got some news on in the background, and it's uh, for all the Raider fans who are still devastated from the Tuck Rule. New England Patriots owner charged for soliciting sex. <laughs> Wait, what? Yep, <laughs> I think in Florida. So somebody's still celebrating that Super Bowl. <laughs> <laughs> Way to go, Mr. Kraft! Oh, oh man, that's great. That just hit the newswire or something. Um, it just hit, yeah. <laughs> you know, so we get a lot of weird, <laughs> funny news, and um, God, the, that guy—he's—he's he's a piece of work. Um, <laughs> well, congratulations, New England! You got yourself a winner. Uh, that'll do it for this show. You can find us online at hoopdashball.com where all the cool kids hang out. You can find us on Twitter. Twitter.com yeah. slash K-O-Z-A-N-D-B-R-U show. And Facebook. Cause we need, to, we need some onion posts. Stat. I know there was some good there was some good ones on Zion and the uh, child labor. They've been uh, pretty brutal. The onion's been pretty brutal the last couple of days. I just haven't been in a position with Cheryl lately, but they've been on their game. <laughs> well, get on that, Cause. Another show is in the books. We'll see you guys next week. Peace.